1: go. Episode 247 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. And let us hope that this Wednesday ends up a bit better than Tuesday was. Uh, Tuesday ended up not being a good day in Washington, D.C. sports. One of the many great lines from Seinfeld is that Tuesday has no feel. Uh, No, Tuesday, February 8th. 2022. Uh, Tuesday, 2.8.22. Uh, that day definitely had a feel, and the feeling was not good. Uh, a, Bradley Beal shockingly done for the rest of the Wizards' regular season. B, Commander Safety and Special Teams ace DeShazer Everett charged with involuntary manslaughter. C, the Capitals blew a 2-0 second-period lead and lost on a goal in the final minute of of regulation uh not all of those things are on the same level in terms of seriousness but you get the idea tuesday had a feel and the feeling was not good
2: what's today (laughs) what's thursday
0: really feels like tuesday (laughs) tuesday has no feel monday has a feel friday has a feel sunday has a feel i feel tuesday and wednesday all right shut up the both of you (laughs)
1: Yes, exactly. One of the many great exchanges on the greatest sitcom in television history. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast podcast. Uh, yeah, out of nowhere, we got the news late Tuesday afternoon that Bradley Beal is done for the rest of the Wizards regular season. This due to a torn ligament in his left wrist. So many things to be thinking about with this news if you're a Wizards fan like me. Uh, The Wizards season, of course, has become a nightmare. The nightmare now even worse. And oh yeah, the NBA trade deadline is on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. There's a lot to sort through. I shall sort through it all next segment. Uh, I have plenty for you on the commanders on this show, including reaction to DeShazer Everett being charged with involuntary manslaughter in the death of Olivia Peters. And uh, on a much lighter note, uh, Russell Wilson thoughts. How legit truly is this idea of our commanders potentially trading for Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson? And what exactly would the commanders be getting in Wilson I'll explore those items. We also have yet another regulation loss for the Capitals to discuss, a 5-4 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night in a Caps return from the NHL All-Star break. Alex Ovechkin returned. He was back from a one-game absence caused by being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. But Caps head coach Peter Laviolette for a second consecutive game pulled the Caps' starting goaltender for performance reasons, uh, the Caps have a goaltending problem. If you're a Caps fan, you probably already know that. But uh, the Caps goaltending problem very much highlighted via the Caps' last two games. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Tim Starr on the announcement of the name Commanders. One week ago today, uh, writes Tim, I agree with you that the Commanders name rollout was very underwhelming. I like the name and the DC ties, which leads me to ask, why doesn't the team do more within the DC city limits? A name rollout from the National Mall or from a secret location, parentheses, such as the Pentagon, Navy Yard, Fort Myers, etc., would have been more exciting. The reveal event was an extremely unique opportunity to attract fans back and make free agents want to be part of the future. What we got was some dudes sitting in the worst stadium in the NFL. Who did Washington hire to help market the big reveal? Because that company should refund its consulting fees to the fans. As a listener from day one, keep up the good work, Al. Well, thank you for that, Tim much appreciated. And great point on the reveal. I mean, think about it, right? The new name of the team is Commanders. The team is based in the Washington, D.C. area. Washington, D.C., the capital city of the United States of America. Washington, D.C., which has all kinds of military spots. And yet instead of doing the name reveal at one of those spots with some pomp and circumstance, The name reveal was done at perhaps the single most unpopular spot in the entire Washington, D.C. area, FedEx Field, with no pomp and circumstance. And in an unimaginative way, right, in case you forgot, here was the reveal. Here was the announcement. Here were NBC News anchor Craig Melvin, team president Jason Wright, his senior advisor Doug Williams, and commanders, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, one week ago.
2: Let's not like make folks wait. Let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the uh, what is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the Commanders. <laughs> we are the Commanders. The Commanders. The Washington Commanders. That's right. Uh, oh wow, you didn't waste any time there. There it is.
1: <laughs> yes, there it is. Craig Melvin tossed to Jason. Right. Jason then tossed to Doug Williams, and Doug, as he put his right hand on Jonathan Allen's back, said, quote, we are the commanders, end quote. Right. And that was it. And all of this was done at an empty FedEx field, which again, just may be the least popular place in the entire Washington, D.C. area. Like, seriously, name me a less popular place in the D.C. area than FedEx Field. It's amazing when you really take a step back and just think about this uh, with some time removed now uh, since the name was revealed. Email from Derek Hunter on a fight song for the commanders. Writes Derek, hey Al, love the show. I'm 25 years old and I've been a fan since 2003. This name is definitely going to take some getting used to. I've been trying to come up with a catchy fight song. Not sure if you're familiar with the show, The Office, but come on, come on, come on, come commanders, burgundy and gold, burgundy and gold. Imagine all 15,000 fans singing in unison, LOL. Uh, yes, Derek, thank you for that email. Uh, yes, we could all sing those lyrics that you laid out in the email to the tune of Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Uh, look, the Redskins years ago had as their starting quarterback Jeff George. The lead singer of Culture Club, of course, was Boy George, so uh, there's a connection right there. Email from Andrew Sly on the workplace misconduct scandal for the team, now known as the commanders, especially the Dan Snyder-specific allegations that came out last Thursday during the hybrid roundtable before Congress, writes Andrew Great job, Al, detailing the latest allegations against Teflon Dan. Unfortunately, unless these horrible actions are documented with time-stamped video evidence complete with a guy in the background reading a newspaper with the publication date in clear view, nothing will ever happen. The reason for this has been discussed often and is fairly simple. As you said, NFL owners are part of an elite club. The Danny knows as much about them as they know about him. Think of these shenanigans that have most likely got on in World and many other organizations run by billionaires with almost unlimited funds. If they remove the Danny, he won't go quietly. Uh, Thank you for the email, Andrew. Yeah, I've thought about this. Like, Why is the NFL being so loyal to Dan? Because on the surface, this makes no sense. This loyalty makes no sense. He, over a lengthy period of time, has done a terrible job as an owner. Of an NFL team. To whatever extent he was good. At developing new revenue streams years ago, you very much could argue that Dan, as owner of the team now, is costing the league money in terms of lost sponsorships and lost stadium revenue. The declining local television ratings for Washington games are bad for the NFL because the Washington DC television market is a top 10 television market. And so the NFL always wants strong ratings for the team in DC. The workplace misconduct and ownership scandals have brought a lot of embarrassment and bad publicity to the NFL. There's an obvious replacement owner for the commanders waiting in the wings in Jeff Bezos. It's not like there's nobody out there who could buy the team. And we can only imagine the value that the guy behind Amazon's success might bring to the NFL. Like, why the heck is the NFL standing by Dan Snyder in such strong fashion? And the only good answer that I can come up with is what Andrew referenced. The NFL must fear What Dan knows and what Dan might do were he to ever be ousted as an NFL owner. The NFL must fear that Dan would go scorched earth and leak all kinds of stuff and engage in litigation to where ousting him as an owner wouldn't be worth it. What other explanation is there? Like ask yourself that question. Why is the NFL being so loyal to Dan? Why is the NFL standing by Dan? And the only thing that I can come up with is. Yeah, what Dan would do were the NFL to ever try to oust Dan as an NFL owner. Well, few people on the planet know litigation like Dan Snyder. He has been involved in quite a few legal situations in recent years with the workplace misconduct scandal and the ownership turmoil and the name change. But when it comes to legal representation, no firm will fight for you harder then Paulson and NACE will. Paulson and NACE is a law firm that is ready to represent you if you've been wronged. Paulson and NACE handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. But also know this about Paulson and NACE. If you own or run a Washington, D.C.-based or West Virginia-based business, Paulson and NACE can help you with your business insurance policy. You see, a business insurance policy, yes, is meant to reimburse you for losses incurred in catastrophes like fires or burglaries. But business insurance also includes business interruption insurance. With the COVID-19 pandemic and resulting restrictions, there may be legal options available to you to recoup your losses. Contact Paulson and NACE to find out more. The attorneys at Paulson and NACE can help you review your business insurance policy and understand what options you have in running a business in these uncertain times. So whether you're dealing with a personal injury, medical malpractice, or business insurance situation, contact Paulson and NACE. Paulson and NACE will fight for you. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. These guys are excellent at what they do, and these guys win. Call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yes, you're obligated to nothing. See what Paulson and Nace can do for you. The phone number, 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sends you, but see what Paulson and Nace can do for you. You have nothing to lose. Schedule your no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, a Wizards season that has been plummeting uh, now has plummeted even more. Bradley Beal now done for the rest of the regular season. Huh? What? How? Exactly. Out of nowhere, we got this news late Tuesday afternoon. As the Wizards season is spiraling out of control, as the NBA trade deadline is just days away, Bradley Beal is now done, and he may now have played his final game for the Wizards. The Wizards late Tuesday afternoon announced that Beal is to undergo surgery to repair a torn ligament in his left wrist and will miss the remainder of the regular season. Uh, Beal had missed the Wizards previous four games due to an injured left wrist, but the notion of him potentially being out for the rest of the regular season had not come up, certainly not publicly. Uh, The Wizards in a statement said that the decision to proceed with the surgery was mutually agreed upon by the team Beal. And his representation. And, you know, I read that and I said to myself, hmm, that does kind of put that meeting on Monday night involving Beale, his agent, and Wizards management in new light, potentially. Remember, Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington on Monday night reported that Beal and his agent Mark Bartlestein were at Capital One Arena to meet with Wizards management prior to that night's Wizards game, which ended up being another blowout loss, a 121-100 loss to the Miami Heat. Uh, perhaps Beal's injury situation was the primary reason for the meeting as opposed to the state of the Wizards roster or Beal's future with the Wizards. Who knows? But speaking of the state of the Wizards roster and Beal's future with the Wizards, so the NBA trade deadline, oh yeah, uh, that thing is on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Beal can opt out of his contract this summer and the Wizards right now are a mess, okay? I mean, we've been talking about this on the podcast. The Wizards are just 14 and 26 since their 10 and 3 start to the season. The Wizards clearly have major internal problems, and major changes could be coming. As Stephen A. Smith would say. The damn Washington Wizards. Exactly, Stephen A. But here's the thing: as bad as this news is that Beale is done. For the rest of the regular season, I actually don't think that this news changes much for the Wizards. I don't. Uh, There has been a lot of "sky is falling, woe is us" reaction to Beal being done for the rest of the regular season, and I get that reaction. Trust me, uh, I am a lifelong Bullets slash Wizards fan. This season has unraveled like few seasons that I can ever remember as a Washington DC sports fan. But to me this news, as significant as it is, actually doesn't change much. The Wizards prior to Beal being done for the rest of the regular season were a bad team. They were a no-defense playing, bad three-point shooting, toxic mess of a team that was unlikely to make the playoffs. Well, all of those things are still the case with Beal being done for the rest of the regular season. The Wizards prior to Beal being done for the rest of the regular season were, in theory anyway, looking to trade players on expiring contracts, guys like Montrezl Harrell, Thomas Bryan, and Raul Neto. Uh, That can, and certainly should, still be the case with Beal done for the rest of the regular season. The Wizards prior to Beal being done for the rest of the regular season were, by all indications, not looking to trade Beal, even though the Wizards, to me, should have very much been entertaining offers to trade Beal. Uh, Well, that's certainly still the case now with Beal done for the rest of the regular season because you're not trading him now with this torn ligament in his left wrist. If you are going to trade Beal, that's not happening until the offseason. So you tell me, what exactly has changed for the Wizards with Bradley Beal being done for the rest of the regular season? What exactly is different? The situation was bad before the news and the situation still is bad. Look, the truth is this, this season almost doesn't matter. What matters is the bigger picture with Beal. What exactly are the Wizards doing? Where exactly are the Wizards going? He can opt out of his contract this summer. He seems very likely to do so as he still, as far as we know, hasn't given the Wizards a formal answer on that max contract extension that the Wizards offered him this past October. If Beal opts out of his contract this summer, the Wizards have three options: A. Let him leave as an unrestricted free agent. B. Trade him via a sign and trade. C. Resign him. Resigning him almost certainly will require giving him a super max contract of five years and two hundred forty-plus million dollars. Uh, as I've been saying, Bradley Beal is that worthy of a five-year? 240 plus million dollar Supermax contract. He's a subpar defender. He's a bad three point shooter. He hasn't led the Wizards to anything. They haven't advanced past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979. Look, Beale isn't a bad player, and I don't think that he's a bad guy, but he isn't an elite player. He's not worthy of nearly 50 million dollars per year. He's not. There are no great options here for the Wizards with Beal because trading him almost certainly means getting back pennies on the dollar and keeping him almost certainly means giving him a five-year, $240-plus forty-plus Supermax contract. But all of this was the case before him being done for the rest of the regular season. And all of this is the case now. Said Beal in a statement, quote, despite the last 10 days of getting intensive treatment and rehab on my wrist, it became clear that I would not be able to compete to my standards or to the level that our team and our fans deserve. I'm disappointed to have my season end this way, but we all agreed that this was the best decision. I look forward to coming back at 100% and continuing to lead this team as we work together to build toward the future. End quote. That last sentence is perhaps telling, right? I look forward to coming back at 100% and continuing to lead this team as we work together to build toward the future. Look, Beal may well be going nowhere, but the problem is the Wizards with Beal don't seem to be going anywhere either. And to whatever extent this Wizards season does matter, I mean, what a complete collapse of a season, right? The Wizards' 10 and 3 start to the season was their best 13-game start to a regular season since the 1974-75 regular season. Basically, nothing has gone right for the Wizards since that 10 and 3 start. It has been remarkable the extent to which things have unraveled for the Wizards since that 10 and 3 start. It's as if the basketball god said, "Okay, you can have this glorious beginning to the season, but we're going to make the rest of the season as ugly as the beginning of the season was glorious for you. It's amazing what has happened with this wizard season. So to me, the plan for the rest of this season should be to trade all players on expiring contracts by the trade deadline on Thursday. Try to trade guys with bad contracts, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and Davi Spertons by the trade deadline, although I don't know how realistic trading those guys is given their contracts. Uh, play younger players like Denny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, Daniel Gafford, and Corey Kispert a lot the rest of the season. Hope that they all develop and hope that you get lucky in the NBA draft lottery. And when it comes to Beal, I don't know what to tell you. The Wizards have allowed themselves to be held hostage by this guy, even though he, to me, hasn't proven that he's worthy of holding a team hostage. Uh, There are no great answers for this Beal situation for the Wizards. I guess you could say that him being done for the rest of the regular season gives the Wizards more time to figure out the Beal situation. But what's going to be different in a few months? Like, what might be the case in a few months that isn't the case now? We shall see. Only the Wizards could go from having their best 13-game start to a regular season since the 1974-75 regular season to the season completely coming apart at the seams. The damn Washington Wizards. Exactly. Up next, I'll get to talking Commanders on this Wednesday installment of the podcast. We have a DeShazer Everett update. And to what extent is the Commanders potentially trading for Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson actually a thing? And if the Commanders did trade for Wilson, what would the Commanders be getting in Wilson? I'll get to all of that and more Well, we on Tuesday had an update on a terrible situation that now is even worse. Commander Safety and Special Teams Ace Deshazer Everett on Tuesday was charged with involuntary manslaughter in the death of Olivia Peters. It had been a while since we had heard anything on Deshazer Everett. Uh well, we got an update. On Tuesday, DeShazer, this past December 23rd, was the driver in a fatal one-car crash in Loudoun County, Virginia, that killed the vehicle's passenger. The passenger was 29-year-old Olivia Peters. She was a lifelong resident of Montgomery County, Maryland. She attended Our Lady of Good Counsel High School in Olney, Maryland. She went on to attend... The University of South Carolina as an undergrad and then attended Shenandoah University, where she earned her master's degree in occupational therapy. She had recently started OT practices in Las Vegas, Nevada, and in Manhattan, New York. Olivia Peters' family in a statement said that she was an occupational therapist whose, quote, passion and sole focus in life was treating special needs and underprivileged children. End quote. Uh, In terms of the actual accident, the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office in a report said that DeShazer Everett's 2010 Nissan GTR left the right side of the roadway, struck several trees and rolled over. Uh, The accident was a single car accident that took place on Gum Spring Road. If you are familiar with Gum Spring Road, uh, it is a winding road. It is a road that can be rather dangerous. And uh, that certainly proved to be the case. On that December 23rd night, two other Washington players, linebacker Jamin Davis and corner Benjamin St. Juice, reportedly spoke to police, and Davis and St. Juice said that they were in a car behind DeShazer's car after having gone out to dinner with him. Uh, DeShazer suffered non-life threatening injuries in the accident. Uh, Washington on December 24th, on Christmas Eve, placed DeShazer on the reserve non-football injury list. He did not play again the rest of of the season, and the story really had not been advanced much since. Uh, DeShazer had tweeted some stuff, and he in the tweets came off as a guy who was in real pain. Uh, Tweeted DeShazer on January 10th, quote, why am I left to deal with the pain? She always made me better. Now I'm alone, end quote. Tweeted DeShazer on January 12th, quote, just need time to rewind end quote. Tweeted DeShazer on February 2nd, quote, life is tough. Life is full of lessons. I awake to thoughts of excitement about the new era with memories of pain of what has been. Through the pain, there has been good. The good is what I must choose to bring moving forward, end quote. But DeShazer on Tuesday was charged with involuntary manslaughter in the death of of Olivia Peters. He, according to his attorney, was served with a warrant and then released on a $10,000 bond. The Loudoun County Sheriff's Department's investigation determined that DeShazer was traveling, quote, over twice the posted 45 mile per hour speed limit just prior to the crash, end quote. So let's do the math on that. Over twice the posted 45 mile per hour speed limit. Uh, that would be 90 plus miles per hour, 90 plus miles per hour on a treacherous road like Gum Spring Road. The question that we all had when the tragedy happened was what happened? Had DeShazer been under the influence? Had DeShazer been speeding? Had DeShazer done nothing wrong? Well, according to the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department, DeShazer was speeding big time. Now, just because you're charged with something doesn't mean that you're guilty of that something. So I'm not just going to assume that DeShazer Everett is guilty, but let's make something really clear here. If DeShazer Everett is guilty of this, his NFL career is over. Heck, his NFL career may already be over. And while I certainly have sympathy for the pain and guilt that DeShazer must be experiencing, I'm also not going to sit here and make him out to be a victim if, in fact, he was going 90 plus miles per hour and committed involuntary manslaughter. In a statement on Tuesday, DeShazer's attorney, Kaveh Norishad, said, quote, our team continues to investigate this matter as we intend on vigorously defending Mr. Everett against these allegations. We continue to ask that judgment be reserved until all facts are fully investigated and litigated in the proper form. End quote. The commanders in a statement on Tuesday said, quote, we are aware of these charges and are continuing to monitor the situation. We will have no further comment at this time. End quote. So let's recap the last seven days for the NFL team now known as the Commanders, shall we? Last Wednesday, February 2nd, the announcement of the new name to very mixed reviews, and I may be being kind in saying mixed reviews, but I'll say mixed reviews because not everybody hated everything. Uh, last Thursday, February 3rd, new allegations levied against Dan Snyder at a roundtable before Congress regarding the team's workplace misconduct scandal. Last Friday, February 4th, documents released by Congress that make the NFL's and Dan Snyder's handling of the scandal look much worse. And now, on Tuesday, a player on the Commanders, DeShazer Everett, charged with involuntary manslaughter. Uh, Not exactly a banner last seven days for the franchise. Uh, DeShazer Everett is one of the longest tenured players on the Commanders. He entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Texas A&M with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in May 2015. Washington first signed him on August 1st, 2015. Washington has waived DeShazer. Washington has practice squatted DeShazer. Washington has changed DeShazer's position. The team moved him from corner to safety prior to the 2016 season, but DeShazer has survived, or at least had survived. Uh, The 2021 season was his seventh consecutive season with Washington, 2015 through 2021. DeShazer has been a really valuable special teams player for Washington, including being named Washington's special teams player of the year for the 2017 season. DeShazer for the 2021 regular season was number two on Washington in special team snaps. At 69.63%, Washington in March 2018 signed DeShazer to a multi-year contract extension. But his NFL career now may be over. We'll see. Just an absolute tragedy, first and foremost for Olivia Peters and her family. All right, so Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, a potential Commander's trade for Russell Wilson. I've been thinking a lot about this situation. If you're a Commander's fan, I'm guessing that you have been thinking about this situation as well. We entered this Commander's offseason with a pie-in-the-sky wish list of franchise quarterbacks who any Commander's fan, from a football standpoint, would be thrilled for the team to get. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson— And Deshaun Watson. And yes, I am putting aside Watson's legal situation for the moment. Now, personally, I would add Derek Carr to this list, but I know that not everyone loves Carr, so I'll leave him out for the sake of of this discussion. Uh, whether Rodgers and or Wilson and or Watson will actually be traded this offseason, who the heck knows, but the pie in the sky wish list of franchise quarterbacks who any Commanders fan from a football standpoint would be thrilled for the team to get very much includes Russell Wilson. Well, it turns out that there is something there. Now, how much of a something there is is debatable, but there is something. As you likely know by now, a photo on Friday appeared on the Instagram account of the wife of Commander's Interior defensive lineman, Jonathan Allen, Hannah Allen. Uh, The photo was of Jonathan Allen, Hannah Allen, Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson's wife, the singer and actress Sierra, standing happily side by side on a football field in Las Vegas, or at the very least in the Las Vegas area, for the 2022 Pro Bowl, which took place On Sunday afternoon, both Jonathan Allen and Russell Wilson were Pro Bowlers. Okay, I mean, this is just a photo. I mean, Russell Wilson has appeared in countless photos in his NFL career. What's the big deal? Well, my buddy, my pal, Kevin Sheehan, on his radio show on the Team 980 on Monday morning, said that Russell Wilson, per sources, isn't against being traded to the Commanders. Okay, you then add to that, what former NBC Sports Northwest Seahawks insider Joe Fan said on Tuesday's installment of this podcast, episode two hundred and forty-six of the Al Galdi podcast. Joe Fan knows Russell Wilson and the Seahawks well. This was Joe on why Russell, who has a no-trade clause in his contract, would want to be traded by
4: the Seahawks. There's a lot of layers to it. I think A, he feels like the talent around him is not what he had hoped it would be in terms of wasted free agent capital in terms of wasted draft capital. I don't think he feels like his voice is loud enough in the building in terms of personnel moves, draft picks, decisions of that nature. Um, I think there's a desire to be treated like Patrick Mahomes and everything run through him rather than maybe run first approach um and i think he's tired of the team being in the bottom of the league in terms of offensive line spending each and every year and you know i believe and most people out there believe that sacks are partially a quarterback stat if not mostly a quarterback stat um, and i think he has to take some accountability for the sacks that he takes but you can't deny that in terms of offensive line spending they're at the bottom of the barrel they have been in the last six years and they have tried to budget and piece together an offensive line um, and it just hasn't worked very well. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say it's a sort of a collection of all
1: of that. All right. Interesting to hear that regarding the Seahawks offensive line, given that A, Washington has had a very good offensive line in each of Rod Rivera's two seasons as Washington head coach. And B, Rod Rivera lately has very much been touting the commander's offensive line. He keeps bringing up the commanders having the sixth best offensive line in the NFL. That's a reference to pro football focus ranking Washington as having had the number six offensive line in the NFL in the 2021 regular season. But the point here is that this Commander's Russell Wilson thing, it is a thing. This isn't some media creation. Now again, this may not be that much of a thing, but this is a thing. And here's how we can tell. One of the things that is widely known about Russell Wilson, and this is something that came up in my conversation with Joe Fan, is that Wilson is very image conscious. Russell Wilson is careful with everything that he says and does. There are people who actually view this as a negative, as it can be difficult for teammates to truly get to know Russell Wilson. You know, he's almost too polished and too much of a goody two shoes. But Russell Wilson seemingly doesn't say or do anything by accident. So let's think about this. You have Russell Wilson as someone who is very image conscious. You have all of this stuff that was out there last offseason about Wilson's unhappiness with the Seahawks, including ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter on February 25th, 2021, tweeting that per Russell Wilson's agent, Wilson had not demanded a trade and had told the Seahawks that he wanted to play for them But he also had told the Hawks that if a trade was considered, the only teams that he would consider going to would be the Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints, Chicago Bears, and Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Uh, If you don't want to be traded, why the heck would you provide the Seahawks a list of four teams to which you would agree to be traded? Uh, You also have what NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com reported this past January 16th, that Russell Wilson per sources wanted, quote, to explore his options to see what else might be out there for him. Wilson has not demanded a trade, and it's not clear if he will, but at the least, those close to Wilson say he wants to investigate other destinations to see if those would put him in a better position to win another championship and create the legacy he sees for himself. And quote, you have all of this out there. And Russell Wilson with his celebrity wife poses for a picture with a prominent player from a quarterback needy team and his wife. Is it possible that Wilson posed for that photo with zero intent of sending any kind of a message to the Seahawks? Sure. But you tell me what's more likely, that Russell Wilson, super image conscious Russell Wilson, who, according to Ian Rapaport wants to explore options to see what else might be out there for Wilson, posed for that photo with zero intent of sending a message to the Seahawks or that Russell Wilson posed for that photo in an effort to send a message to the Seahawks to show them more love and let them know that other teams want him and flirt with other opportunities. Now, it may well be that all Russell Wilson is trying to do here is flirt. Okay. And he's not actually trying to consummate anything. Okay. Russell Wilson right now may well be the housewife who feels underappreciated and just wants the husband to show her more appreciation and thus is flirting with other guys to show the husband that she has options, even though she has no real intent of ever leaving the husband. Maybe that's Wilson. Maybe he has no real intent of ever leaving the Seahawks. But if you are the commanders, you need to explore this. You need to mine this. You need to oblige in the flirting. Russell Wilson's winking at you. You wink back. Russell Wilson's nodding at you. You nod back. Russell Wilson at the Pro Bowl is asking Jonathan Allen questions about what's going on with the commanders and what it's like playing for Ron Rivera. Jonathan should answer every question in full detail. Engage in the flirting. Don't get hit with a tampering charge, but engage in the flirting. And just see where it leads. Because if there's any possibility that the commanders could get themselves Russell Wilson this offseason, they need to try. Now, I have heard and seen this idea that Russell Wilson isn't what he used to be. And to that, I would say this yeah, it may well be that Wilson is past his peak. But that doesn't mean that he can't be a very good, if not great quarterback for years to come. The aging curve for NFL quarterbacks has been blown out of the water with all of the high-level play by quarterbacks in their late 30s, if not 40s in recent years, right? Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Even if you don't think that Russell Wilson is in the same class as those guys are slash were, he's not far from being it in that class. You know, in sports, the greatest predictor of future health is past injury. Russell Wilson has been exceptionally durable. The Seahawks took Wilson in the third round of the 2012 NFL draft out of Wisconsin. He, in his NFL career, has started 158 of a possible 161 regular season games over his 10 NFL seasons, 2012 Through 2021. Wilson in the 2021 regular season missed three games due to an injured middle finger on his right hand. Those games were the first missed regular season games of his NFL career. And it's not like his injury was, you know, a shoulder injury or an elbow injury, or a neck injury, or a knee injury, or a hamstring injury, or some other kind of injury that suggests wear and tear and or aging. No, his issue was an injured middle finger on his right hand. Okay, fine. Uh, Now, the 2022 season will be Russell Wilson's age 34 season, so he's not 22. That is true. And, Wilson's 2021 regular season for Pro Football Focus was the lowest graded regular season of his NFL career. Uh, Wilson's overall grade for PFF for the 2021 regular season was just 73.9, so that is worth noting. And Wilson, for the 2021 regular season, ranked just 20th among qualified NFL quarterbacks in completion percentage at 64.8. Not good. Uh, Although again, he dealt with an injured middle finger on his right hand, which is his throwing hand. And if we're going to talk stats, let's also note the following Uh, Russell Wilson has ranked in the top 10 among qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR in each of the last three regular seasons 2021, tied for ninth at 54.7, 2020, eighth at 67.1, 2019, fifth. At 71.5, Russell Wilson has ranked in the top 13 among qualified NFL quarterbacks in yards per pass attempt in each of the last three regular seasons. 2021 fifth at 7.78, 2020 13th at 7.55, 2019 eighth at 7.97. And going back to completion percentage, Russell Wilson ranked in the top 10 among qualified NFL quarterbacks in completion percentage for the 2019 season. And 2020 regular seasons. Look, he's not an elite quarterback. Like, Russell Wilson isn't Patrick Mahomes. Russell Wilson isn't Aaron Rodgers, but Russell Wilson is among the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. He is a legitimate star franchise quarterback. And if he's open to being traded from the Seahawks and is open to coming to our commanders, they need to be pursuing this. And I would think that they are. Now, look, if I could script the commanders getting A franchise quarterback this offseason, I would not script them trading for a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. I would script the commanders getting themselves a franchise quarterback via the NFL draft because then they'd be getting someone much younger than a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers and much cheaper than a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. I know that a lot of people don't love the quarterback class for the 2022 draft, that's fine. Personally, I am intrigued by Kenny Pickett. I am intrigued by Malik Willis, but neither guy nor any other quarterback in the 2022 draft is viewed as a sure thing. To whatever extent any quarterback in an NFL draft can be viewed as a sure thing. Russell Wilson is a known thing. There's no mystery with him. We know what he is. And while there's no guarantee that he'll continue to be what he has been, it's not some outlandish prediction to say that he will continue to be what he has been. And so I want the commanders pursuing this, working this, mining this. Maybe it ultimately goes nowhere, but then again, maybe not. You got to try if you're the commanders. I would think that they are trying. There's a reason that Ron Rivera has been telling anyone who will listen about all of the reasons that a franchise quarterback would want to play for the Commanders. Remember, this was Ron last Wednesday. What was the day on which the team announced itself as the Commanders? What was 2.2.22? Uh, Ron, on if the announcement of the new name can potentially make the Commanders even more enticing of a team to join.
2: I, I really do. I, I think, you know, the rebrand is, is, is something that's that's kind of unique. Uh, to me, it's an opportunity to, to work on and grow on our legacy um because it, it, is, it is a clean slate as the commanders um and i think it's an opportunity to be part of something that that i think is going to be unique and special um i, I love where we are i love where we're located i love the, the the community that we play for i love the division that we're in because i think it's a very good football division it, it's also a division that uh has a lot of the top tv markets um i'm making my pitch if you notice michael um there's, you know, uh, I, I like our team. I like where we are. Uh, you know, we got the number six ranked offensive line. So we have a chance to protect the guy. We've got a thousand yard rusher. We have a thousand yard receiver. I mean, I'll go, I can go down the list, but I do think, Michael, that this is a, uh, this is something that we most certainly can, can use as we start going through the, uh, the whole thing and uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Yes, we will. We'll see what happens with Russell Wilson and we'll see what happens with the commander's pursuit of a franchise quarterback this offseason. Well, the Capitals on Tuesday night played a game for the first time since the NHL All-Star break, and unfortunately, the Caps picked up right where they left off upon entering the NHL All-Star break. Another regulation loss for the Caps. The Caps fell to 25-14-9, and with a 5-4 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. This off a 5-3 loss to the Edmonton Oilers at Capital One Arena last Wednesday night. So the Caps now have suffered a regulation loss in eight of their last 14 games. The Caps are fourth in the Metropolitan Division at 59 points. And the Caps on Tuesday night blew a 2-0 second-period lead and they gave up a game-winning and tie-breaking even tram goal to Boone Jenner, 1915, into the third period. Uh, this was not a feel-good game in many ways for the Capitals on Tuesday night. Now, Alex Ovechkin was back. That was good. Uh, he returned from a one-game absence caused by being in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. And uh, Ovi did have a primary assist on Tuesday night. In fact, he passed Sergei Zuboff for the third-most regular season assist by a Russian-born player in NHL history. But the Caps remained without multiple key players. Goaltender Vitek Vanacek unavailable due to an upper body injury that he suffered in a 4-3 overtime win at the Pittsburgh Penguins on February 1st. Defenseman Michael Kepney did not play for a fourth consecutive game off having been in the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. Forward TJ Oshie did not play for a tenth consecutive game Due to an upper body injury that he suffered in a 2-0 win at the New York Islanders on January 15th. And Ford Anthony Manta remains out indefinitely due to shoulder surgery that he underwent on November 5th. Now, I mentioned Vanachek continuing to be out with this upper body injury. Phoenix Copley, surprisingly, was the Caps' starting goaltender on Tuesday night. Uh, Copley in the Caps' previous game, that 5-3 loss to the Oilers at Capital Win Arena last Wednesday night, replaced Ilya Samsonov, who got pulled in the first period of having stopped just one of the four shots on goal that he faced. Copley coming into that game last Wednesday night marked his first appearance in an NHL regular season game since April 6, 2019, but Copley was good in that game against the Oilers. He stopped 21 of the 22 shots on goal that he faced. Well, things did not go so well for Copley in this loss to the Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. He stopped just 15 of the 19 shots on goal that he faced and was pulled in the third period in favor of Samsonov who stopped 6 of the 7 shots on goal that he faced. So, for a second consecutive game, head coach Peter Laviolette pulled the cap starting goaltender here was Laviolette during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, cops gave us again, Sammy missing seven days in a row, not, not getting on the ice yesterday and uh, just trying to get him an opportunity to feel the puck cops I thought came off the bench and played really well for us and, um, gave us an opportunity and, um, it was just at that point in the game where um, I felt like we needed to make a change, and so I made it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not like Caps goaltenders were bombarded with shots on Tuesday night. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had 50 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Blue Jackets, 40. And the Caps had 33 shots on goal to the Blue Jackets, 26. It's no secret that the Caps goaltending is a concern. Uh, that concern only heightened with what has happened over the Caps' Last two games now, and a consequence of the goaltending not being very good is the Caps' penalty kill not being very good recently. You know, there's a the cliche in hockey of your best penalty killer is your goaltender. The Caps on Tuesday night a brutal one of three on the penalty kill. Uh, that's not the way that that's supposed to go. It was two games ago, that 4 3 overtime win at the Penguins on February 1st, that the Caps went a terrible two of five. On the penalty kill. Uh, Now the Caps on Tuesday night did get goals from the team's two players who played in the 2022 NHL All-Star Game. Tom Wilson and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Uh, Wilson scored a game-tying even-strength goal 17 34 into the third period. Uh, this marked the third goal that the Caps have scored this season with their goaltender pulled. And Kuznetsov had a second period power play goal. Kuznetsov continues to have a really nice season. He now has 18 points over his last 19 games, seven goals and eleven assists. Also, Nick Dowd had a really good game on Tuesday night. Even strength goal and a primary assist. And he went a ridiculous 17-1. On face-offs, uh, doubt is known as a good face-offs guy, and you know face-offs can be a bit uh, luck-based, but still, 17 and one on face-offs in a game is outstanding. Uh, but the Caps ultimately lost and lost in regulation again. Next up for the Caps at the Montreal Canadiens Thursday night at seven. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Algaldi. You can email me, the AlgaldiPodcast at Yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 248, will feature a special guest to discuss what's going on in the Washington workplace misconduct scandal and where the scandal may be leading regarding Dan Snyder. I'm going to chat with Neil Mullen. He is a lawyer. He is a professor at George Mason's Law School, the Antonin Scalia Law School. Uh, Neil's a loyal listener of this podcast, really smart guy, and he has insight and perspective on what's going on with this workplace misconduct scandal and how it has been handled by the NFL that you're not going to get anywhere else. Uh, Are we, in fact, in the process of the end of the Danny as the owner of the team? now known as the Commanders. Legal expert Neil Mullen will join me on Thursday's show. Also on Thursday's show, I'll discuss Georgetown's game at DePaul Wednesday night at 9 as the Hoyas try to snap their 11-game losing streak and try to finally get a win in the Big East this season. Georgetown is 0-10 in the Big East. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. What's today?
3: <laughs> What's Thursday? Really? Feels like Tuesday.
0: (laughs) Tuesday has no feel. Monday has a feel. Friday has a feel. Sunday has a feel. I feel Tuesday and Wednesday. All right, shut up the both of you.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.